Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome to the Business of Cannabis, and welcome to our second salute to the MJ BizCon 2022 trade show in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're bringing you more interviews I did uh, at what is the world's largest cannabis show, at least that's what MJ BizCon tells us. Uh, I've been to a bunch of cannabis shows this year and nothing really comes close, so I think they're telling the truth. Uh, if you have one, uh, If you have one show to go to, I think this is the one. Uh, certainly, this is uh, the one show that the entire industry show uh, comes out for. Uh, some 30,000 attendees, hundreds of, of exhibitors. Uh, what's great about doing a trade show floor interview is the energy you get from being there with all those people. The buzz you hear in the background is real. Thousands of individuals um, in the cannabis space gathering together to grow the industry from equipment providers, um, there's too many ancillary services to even name. Of course, the plant touching side of things, the, the growers and the retailers and the brands. If there's a negative, it's a temporary one. Uh, since we're bringing you three interviews today, we won't have time to bring my favorite commentator on the show, Matt Cook, but despair not. Uh, he'll be back uh, next week. <clears throat> of course, the Business of Cannabis mission does not change. A weekly look at the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines, the latest in cannabis brands, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing. A hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. I chose to interview three individuals uh, for this show who work in three very different areas. And the idea is to, to try and offer a, a cross-section of the industry, if you will. Um, give you an idea of the breadth of services uh, and products available. We start with Marcus Quinn, who is CEO of Your CBD Store. Uh, Marcus heads, heads up uh, what is clearly the largest CBD chain in North America. Not really even that close. Some 450 uh, locations already and growing. Uh, this uh, Your CBD store is a franchise model, so that's an added wrinkle we're going to talk about, and uh, that'll be your retail component of the show. Then we switch gears and chat with Neil Janaja, who heads up one of the largest cannabis legal firms in the country. Uh, now, there's the old cliche, everyone hates, their, hates lawyers except their own, and that's key here because without sound legal advice, you can make some very serious mistakes that will destroy your business, or at the very least, make financial success that much harder. I think Neil's uh, that lawyer uh, that is loved by his clients. Uh, he's very accomplished and one of the most knowledgeable cannabis lawyers around. Um, so in keeping with the theme, that's the regulatory ancillary service side of the cannabis uh, industry. And then we speak to George Mancherell, uh, CEO of Bespoke Financial. Um, Bespoke is an interesting finance company. It focuses on providing operating lines of credit to cannabis businesses. Um, no need to belabor uh, the difficulty that the cannabis businesses have in the finance space uh, from banking and leasing and, and access to capital and cash flow. These are all very difficult um, aspects of the business. Uh, the finance industry uh, continues to struggle to figure out how to support cannabis 
uh, traditional banks, and to a large extent, credit unions continue to sit on the sidelines. Companies like Bespoke Financial have stepped in to fill that void, and we'll find out uh, from George how Bespoke Financial's done so, and how they've achieved some pretty remarkable success uh, to date, um, and that there will be the financial services component. Uh, and when you consider that in one trade show, I speak to a retailer, a franchiser, a lawyer, and a financial institution, it's clear cannabis is a pretty mature industry with a sort of a deep and, and, and relatively vast and complex mix of products and, and services. Just like any other industry, really, because that might, makes me wonder what legislators will, when legislators will finally come to their senses and treat cannabis like any other industry, obviously that's not happening now. Uh, and clearly that's a topic for another day. It's too bad those congressmen and senators uh, standing in the way don't come to MJ Discon and see for themselves that nothing, nothing dastardly is happening. Uh, it's, a, it, it's serious people building a strong, well-thought-out and a beneficial uh, new sector of the economy. Uh, let's not get too philosophical, evangelical. This show's about business and entrepreneurship. So stay tuned to three interviews that focus on exactly that. From the trade show floor of MJ BizCon 2022 at the Las Vegas Convention Center, I'm your host, Dave Skye, and this is The Business of Cannabis. On the trade shore floor of the MJ BizCon 2022 in Las Vegas, your CBD store is a uh, is becoming a household name in the cannabis space uh, across the nation, uh, for good reason. Uh, and we're here with uh, Marcus Quinn, co-founder and CEO of your CBD store. Uh, now, Marcus uh, loves business and selling. Trust me on this. Uh, started his own direct sales company, grew that into a multi-million dollar enterprise with over 50 sales reps, sold that, got into real estate, grew that into another multi-million dollar business, sold that. Well, now he's into something that apparently he's not going to leave. Um, tremendous success uh, co-founding your CBD store. Grown the chain to over 450 locations, which is impressive. The largest branded chain of dedicated CBD stores in the nation. I assume with more to come. Trust me, I'll ask him. But don't take my word for it, because as you can guess, I have Marcus Quinn with me. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so to give us the, well, we, we talked to you guys last year at MJ. Give me the sort of the school year, October to October report card. What's happened with your CBD store? Yeah, so uh, a lot of things. Um, you know, as the industry gets more and more competitive. Uh, you know, we've had to make some adjustments, um, but we continue to grow. We continue to add um, new stores and uh, and sell new franchises. Um, you know, we continue to add new states. So we're very excited about California. Um, the franchise um, the franchise landscape in California is a little rough. Uh, it took us a while to get all of our. In what sense, rough? Yeah, just the. Um, like a, a cannabis rough? Oh, okay. California regulatory issues. Uh, I mean, a lot of franchise companies don't even 
register in California because of all the hurdles. Hurdles. And so we've been going back and forth with them. It took us almost two years to get our uh, franchise, uh, you know, our FDD, our disclosure documents and everything approved so that we could franchise. Actually, that just happened a few months ago. And um, so we're real bullish on, on what's going to happen in California. The stores that we have in California that came in uh, as affiliates, you know, they perform, they outperform the rest of the country for us. Wow. And so, yeah, which, you know, is interesting because I remember when we opened our first one out there with California being recreational, I was like, oh, you know, I don't really know how this is going to work, but mm. uh, it seems that there is a huge market for more of a wellness, not so high of a THC content, and that right. customer actually is out there in California, so, uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, we've been making big investments in technology. Uh, you know, oh. we, we've always been a brick and mortar store. Sure. And, uh, you know, what we're realizing is that if we want to be able to compete right. long term, that our online experience has to match our in-store On some, yeah, you're actually a software company too. Yeah, right. so, so we have to, um, so we've been making uh, great strides in that and just working, um, you know, internally on aggregating uh, customer data and getting POS data from all the different locations. I mean, we feel like we are in the perfect spot to really be the leaders in, um, tracking the cannabis use data in our space because we see you know 40,000 new customers a month and uh, and we know what they're buying and so right. now that we can get in there on a store level we can see what are they buying what are they why using? why why yeah bring them back right. what makes them come back in a week or two weeks compared to a month or two months and so uh, we're really really excited about that um, we feel like that's going to help elevate our brand and take it to the next level well let, let me let's keep going with that what is what is your brand? Like, there's, there's a no, it, it's a crowded landscape. Right. And yet you've managed to separate yourself. So there's something going on. What do you think it is? What is, what is this, your CBD store about? I mean, I think there's two pieces to it. Because there's our, there's our franchise customers, which are, which are our franchisees, which is the small business owner. Uh, you know, and, and for me, there's, there's... So start with them. What, what do they think about you? Well, hopefully they love well, me. Well, and I know well, they all don't, <laughs> but, but I know I know there's a there's well. Make a large me fall. Majority. Make me fall in love with you. What should? What do you want them to think? Well, what? What do you? Look, like, you can uh, get into this space any way you want. You can, you know, find a grower or make a tincture or call a manufacturer and figure something else two, out. Two, two seconds later, I have a brand. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You can do it. Um, but hey, you're on your own, right? Uh, what, what we've been able to do and what we can really leverage is the fact that we have this network of hundreds and hundreds of store owners and then we have this corporate entity that, that has more means in most cases, uh, financially, manpower, you know, and we're all in the back, we're building out technology, we're building out you know, email uh, drips and we're building out support schools and training processes so that you know you mm. can come in if you want to get in the space you can be in the space you can enjoy mm. uh, you know all the great things about being in this industry which is you know seeing people get off of pills and seeing people's lives change and people you know uh, having uh, results from issues that they've had for decades and uh, you know they've added a little CBD or a little THC or whatever the case may be to their to their lifestyle and they're you know, not taking this, or they're walking around like they've never been able to, or the little old lady who can, you know, mm. squeeze her hands back and wow. forth for the first time because she's been dealing with arthritis or people with fibromyalgia. So, you know, you, there's there's that piece of uh, of excitement in this industry that a lot of people they never even make it there because they get 
too kind of caught up in, you know, okay, where am I going to get this product and what's the product going to be? Now I got to build a website where with, with my system and my team, you know, we kind of, we try to take the guesswork all out of it, right? You know? So like you're the trusted partner in your health, non-traditional. That's, that's what we want to be. That's your customer right. and your brand. Right. And then your brand as a franchisor is, I'm hearing, which is cool message, is we're going to be the best in cannabis, the most modern, sophisticated player is what I'm hearing. And that's what we've been trying to right. do uh, ever since. Which I know is easy to say. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Everyone I mean, wants to do that, but our, then it boils our, down our tagline. a... tagline, we're empowering modern wellness. You know, modern wellness. Oh, there, there modern I go. I stumbled onto the... Uh, I thought I was inventing your tagline, but you have it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's who we want to be. We're, we've been uh, dedicated to the science piece of this the entire time. You know, uh, oh, okay. using... We've been, we were doing minors. I feel like before anybody was doing minors, we've been using um, therapeutic uh, plant-based terpenes, hemp-based terpenes, uh, you know, for targeted formulas, you know, and kind of we've been, we've been doing that the entire time. So we've never been the uh, company to throw some CBD in a carrier oil and stick right. it on the shelf. Like we've been like, okay, what's our goal? What are we trying to accomplish with this product? And let's work our way backwards from there. And what's the best botanicals? What's the best plant-based materials that we can put into this jar to deliver, you know, whatever that end game is. We've got 185 SKUs. I think we have probably one of the largest diverse diversity of products out of any other company that's out there. And sure, we don't have everything, but you know, we've got most. And so, uh, so that's also another uh, thing that I think makes us you know, right. pretty attractive. We are chatting with Marcus Quinn, CEO of your CBD store. And, um, well, let me, let me ask you about that educative part, because I hear this all the time, education so important. How do you, how do, you do that? How, I, I, yeah, we're, we're here, there's the whiteboard. I'm, I've just told you, we need to educate our customer. How do you actualize that? Right, so, I mean, we so have- So I walk into your store, what experience could I expect? Hopefully the best one. Yeah, so and, what does that mean? And, and, okay, and, and, I walk in, I'm not whatever, I have a complaint. What, what is it that your CBD store is doing so well? So what we're doing uh, from a franchise or level is we've got training, we have uh, ongoing training, we've got over 20 hours of um, scientists prepared uh, videos. Uh, so, you know, we've got in office schooling, then we go out. We just had our conference in Orlando, so we had you know 500 uh, people attend our conference out in Orlando, where we had two days of training, and uh, so we're constantly doing zooms. And, and you know, we're and it, what, what's the newest thing, the next best thing? You know, what are the advantages of CBG over CBD, and what is CBG, and what's a terpene, and what are right. the terpenes, yeah. and what do they do, and why do we add them, and what are you looking to accomplish? You know, I mean, are, are you wanting to be focused? Are you looking for the pain to go away? You know, and, and then we can kind of direct that customer based on, you know, what they're there for. And so we stay really dialed into the training. Um, we've built out since 2018, I mean, courses and videos oh, and you know and we do them I don't know by bi bi-monthly and uh, so I have a support staff that's for different areas of the country and uh, you know each one has its own little team and they go in they do trainings weekly they go do store visits we bring our corporate guys out to the stores at a store level we teach people how to sell the product you know how to answer the questions so and the good thing about your cbd stores if you come into a your cbd store and you have a question 
if the person that's there doesn't know the answer, they can get it for you. Right. And so that's the reservoir of right? And you don't have to listen to the internet or right. you know, see what Google's gonna come up right. with. I mean, we have PhD scientists on staff that have a background in these things and they can give you the real answer. Uh, you know, and so so uh, that's that's I think another thing that we've kind of that's kind of helped us grow is I mean you know we probably one of the first hires that we had was uh, was uh, a PhD scientist. Well, I guess it builds that trust with the customer. Right, right, yep. It fits into the brand. It does, and we've been doing a lot of things with um, the colleges. We you know we donated four hundred thousand dollars to FIU to do oh, amazing. research. Amazing. Uh, we're working with the University of Florida uh, for some topical stuff. Uh, my uh, doctor, Tony Ferrari, he's working with the Cannabis Consortium in Florida, and, uh, and we're leading, we got an IND, which is an investigative new drug approved by the FDA for our extract, for our full spectrum wow. extract. So, wow. So people have been leaning on that quite a bit. Wow. We've been getting um, you know, approached by uh, different researchers, because everybody wants to do um, studies on cannabis, but nobody right. has an IND. So we have one, we got one uh, about two years ago, uh, one of the only extracts that I'm aware of that got an, an IND approval from the FDA. Um, but, you know, we're uh, really dialed into that piece. And I think that adds a lot of value. And, and I think as the future goes on and as these studies, um, you know, right, yeah, and they get printed and you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and people review them and things like that, it's going to really add more value to the brand over the next couple of years. Sounds very much though, you need a special type of franchisee who's willing to engage in a pretty changing dynamic environment. 100% agree. <laughs> How has that and the franchise model, what challenges has that posed to you? Well, like, how do you keep up with everything you've just said? We have to let people know in the beginning it's not a And I still have to go work. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's not a 7-Eleven. You can't just stand there right. and, and, and just wait for the people to rush in, you know, you have to cultivate your customers, you have to go out and you have to network, you have, have to- Have a community relationship, build, right. Yeah, you have to build your own community inside your community, which is the cool thing about the franchise is, you know, it's a local owner, you're not supporting some big, huge brand that's somewhere else. Right. You're supporting the guy that lives down the road from you or the couple that goes to church with you or your kids are in school with their kids. And so, yeah. uh, so you know, uh, but it's definitely different. It's a, it's kind of, we call it direct tail. Like it's kind of a direct sales, but a retail hybrid, right? Mm. Uh, you know, because it's 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 not 7-Eleven. It's it's something that you have to. And I assume that's part of the stickiness, though, because once you've done that, it's pretty powerful, right? If you connect to a customer and you have that trust, it's going to be hard to. Yeah. You create a pretty powerful ring of you start to get used to hearing those stories, and they feel really good. The, yeah. The, the the lives that you get to change. We don't have a ton of time left. Let me let me just ask you if in a year I'm going to want to interview again. What would you like to be able to tell me happened this next year? Well, our goal next year we we want we want to get to about 600 stores. Um, wow. Okay. You know, so we're we're That'd looking be pretty to add, substantial we want to add about growth in a month over the next 12 months. We think we can do it. Wow. Um, and uh, and then right now our our E-commerce is only about 1% of our revenue, mm. and uh, we'd like to get that to be about 
15 to 20% of our revenue, not taking away from the stores, but adding in that extra piece for the customer that wants that convenience. Because not everybody wants to go to the store. Once they figure out what they want and what they like and what their regimen's going to be, we want to be able to deliver it right to them and make it as easy right. as possible. And if they want to come back and try out new products or see what else is happening or you know, uh, uh, re-engage with that owner that you know, hopefully changed their lives, you know, that's available as well, but it's not a requirement. And, uh, and so, so I think those are probably two of our big focuses, uh, our, our technology piece and then that, right. that growth piece. What you mentioned up front. Yep. Okay. Well, that's not uh, insignificant. <laughs> I did not expect you to say that. That's pretty cool. Well, we, we added uh, 400 stores in the first, the first about 23 months, so. Right. Um, you know, and then COVID happened. Everything oh, is that, down. okay. Then we moved to franchise, because at first okay. it was just a licensing thing, and so that I was see. a whole other, you know, legal disaster, pain in the ass to, to move through, you know what I mean? Franchising and- So in some ways it's a lot of- states. It's it's a work. it's a lot of work to get to this point, right. like an overnight a twenty year overnight success. You a ton of work and change to get to the the takeoff. This could be just the takeoff, is what I'm hearing. Well, that's what we're hoping. We think yeah. a thousand stores well, we'll in see. our future for sure. Amazing, Marcus. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing that story. It's pretty cool. Um, if you're listening, either. You know, if you're interested in getting into the CBD space, that I don't know why you wouldn't reach out um, and at least investigate. What's the website? So uh, GetSunMed.com. GetSunMed.com. I encourage you all to do it. It's a cool story. Thanks Thank for uh, taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus Quinn of your CBD store. Uh, and we'll be back uh, with more stories from the trade show floor of MJ BizCon 2022. The business of cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products. North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. And welcome to the business of cannabis at MJ BizCon 2022 in Las Vegas. On the trade show floor, you can hear the buzz. Uh, uh, slowly filling up, quiet now. I'm sure it'll get a little uh, uh, busier as the day goes, goes on. Um, I'm pretty excited uh, about this next guest. We're, we're gonna talk to Neil Juneja of Gleam Law. Now, Neil has a degree in physics and IT, worked for some 12 years in that field, then decides to go to law school and start and after that, he starts an entertainment company, a lighting company. Then he founds a, a law practice in 2010, getting into intellectual property, cannabis law. Spoiler alert, the first question is, do your parents know what the heck you're up to all the time? Because it sounds like a lot. Um, the second question is, what, what's uh, Gleam Law all about? Uh, it is one of the leading cannabis law firms in the country, eight lawyers in the firm, and influence that's growing across the country. So the long arm of the law extends to cannabis, but in a good way. And let's find out uh, from the horse's mouth. Neil, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Give us, give us the quick uh, one, two, three on what does it mean uh, to be a cannabis lawyer, or cannabis law firm? I mean, this is actually an interesting question. When it comes to cannabis law, my view is it's not really an area of law. It's more of a collection of other areas of law. Cannabis is an industry. So in that regard, it is different. Entertainment law 
is called its own area of law, for instance, but it's really a combination or an intersection of business law, copyright law, right. trademark law, personality rights, um, and a handful of other things, tax law. Cannabis law, in a sense, is very similar. It's really targeting an industry. Same with, like, .com law. is isn't really .com law. It's M&A law, business formations, intellectual property. So then, that, okay, then the first question that pops into mind is, I'm listening to this. Why do I, I have a cannabis business. Why do I call you? Well, Why don't I call, call, call any lawyer? Uh, there's a number of reasons. One of the, the, one of the ones that isn't talked about very often is when it comes down to most of these U.S. state laws, you've got a thousand pages of regulations and statutes. Now, there's no way to comply 100% with every one of them. So which one matters to the regulatory body? Uh, that takes experience to understand. It takes understanding timelines, knowing the people. But since cannabis law is, a, in a sense, a higher level of each area of law, for instance, um, your tax issues now have something called 280E, which I'm sure your users know. And if right. not, it's, um, it's an interesting deduction with an amazing backstory um, that you should do a whole a whole podcast on, but without knowing that, you're going to set up your taxes in such a in such a way where you're no longer having even an equal advantage. You're not on a level playing field with your competitors. You will just end up spending more money on taxes than you profit every gram you sell at the register, and that's a major problem. And that's along with everything else in quote unquote cannabis law. They all have different higher level or twists to them. Would it Would it be? It's always more challenging on some level? Leasing is more challenging. The regulatory environment is more challenging. Financing can be more challenging. All of Banking, above. right. Banking is always a problem. Uh, you know, there's credit unions that do take cannabis cash under the FinCEN guidelines. Uh, we work with quite a few of those. Otherwise, you've got issues with money. You've got issues with um, having guns on the property, protecting against crime. You have issues with armored trucks. All this comes mm. into play. It's also nice with the cannabis attorney that they understand the business and your peers. So what we like to do is not just advise through advise legal issues in a vacuum, but in the context of the business. Right. We want our clients to be successful. Yeah. As opposed to selling uh, just, I don't know, a coffee shop is different than you have this product on your property with liability issues and... Oh, tons. Your yeah. insurance is required right. in most states, but really isn't very useful. Okay. Uh, you know, so you've got to get right. those policies, understand, sue the insurance company cool. quite a bit. So then but looking, well, you've been, I, if you've been practicing in this area for almost 10 years now, yes. that makes you like a pioneer in this industry. <laughs> you're like, it's like another industry, you've been there in it for 40 years. When you look back, what, what were the issues you dealt with early in your practice and what are, is there a delta? Is there what are you de dealing with now? I mean, at the beginning of any regulatory environment, and this is really a chance of a lifetime for a lawyer, for anybody, but for a lawyer, you go into all these areas of law and it's extremely settled law. We helped work on these regulations in the first states. Uh, the first two states that started were Washington and Oregon, and we were in Seattle. Uh, I was cutting the ribbon on the first shop that opened oh my God, in wow. Seattle. So it was at the beginning, and the regulations have never been tested. So we're sitting there whiteboarding loopholes. At one point, we did a, a buying group that bought out all the cannabis, so half the shops couldn't get any products. So then they changed the regulations, closed that loophole. So it's a constant back and forth of coming up with new ways on how to interpret new regulations that have no 
uh, no historical significance. Right. And that's a lot of fun for a lawyer. Super exciting. I don't think I'll ever get another chance in this lifetime to have a new body of law to play with. Well, okay, are, are the new it. states right? <laughs> so. Interesting point. Uh, um, because the this is an interesting that keeps changing a lot. Mm-hmm. New categories, whether it's beverages, new types of edibles coming onto the market. Does that change? Has that affected your practice at all? The the expanding nature of the industry. That has, I think, more to the point of what has been changing it is as new cannabinoids um, get exploited, um, get utilized, get concentrated. So, you know, we had our CBD thing uh, with the Farm Bill in 2018, and now we're still waiting for the FDA and FDCA uh, to regulate it properly for use in food and drinks. Um, and we're going to have other cannabinoids come out. I think we're going to see some other very interesting psychoactive effects, but now which regulatory body handles it? How do we regulate these new things? Are they dangerous in large quantities or processed improperly? Uh, the science is still very new. So I don't often have the opportunity on this show, because this is the first one, so not very often, to talk to an intellectual property lawyer, uh, which I, maybe some people are already getting, their eyes are glazing over when they're listening to this, but they shouldn't, because this is super important. What What is the state of affairs in intellectual property, both from the corporate side and also maybe on the litigious side, to give people an idea of what they should know about this? Well, I mean, uh, intellectual property is generally broken down into three and a half areas. Um, what really matters for cannabis in almost in most scenarios is trademarks and patents. And the patents are what covers inventions. Um, so that's super interesting. We finally got the first cannabis plant patents um, uh, maybe five or ten years ago. The first one was called Ecuadorian Sativa. Uh, so that's starting. These new strains. Um, there's also... Is that, a, would a, is that, like when you say it's starting, is it still in its early days? The Very much so. There's not a whole lot of people actually seeking protection of genetics. And there's a moral question there. People feel, and especially the old hippie guard, I'd like to call them, feel that you are taking something that's natural and putting on laws on it. On the other hand, it's not what is going on. It's somebody's new strain that they've created, and it's not uh, overflowing to somebody else's new work. Um, with trademarks, it's brand protection. Everybody believes their brand is a huge. Speaking of, every grower thinks they grow the best weed. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> uh, I have heard that. So well, they're correct. <laughs> one person's one person's one correct. One correct. Yeah. No, no, they're all tied. Right. Me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, with brands, it's uh, it's interesting because what happens when we we grow this industry and consolidate and go legal federally? Uh, when we see these big beer companies like Coors, so. These big beer companies, Core and Bud Light, have dropped their market share dramatically, but their total market share stays the same because they keep buying these craft breweries. Ah, okay. Bud Light and Coors are selling less, but those massive companies are selling the same amount of beer in a sense. So what we're going to see is a lot of consolidation and purchasing, and what are they purchasing? Well, they're not going to be taking your fields, and they're not going to be taking your employees, they're going to be taking your brands that already have market share. So in as far as exit strategy, it could be the most important thing. On the other hand, what do we analogize cannabis to? Is it the wine industry? Is it the beer industry? Is it the tobacco industry? Brands matter in all of those. Uh, it's true. But 
when people go into a cannabis shop, I see a lot of people that really don't care about brands. So I'm not really sure what the demographics are on that. That is fascinating, because so much of cannabis is uncertainty from development. Uh, and it sounds like one theme that we have in the show, everyone wants this to be the age of the brand. I'm not sure that it is yet, but brand, it's hard yeah. not to focus on it. So are you doing a lot of work in that area? We are doing a ton of work on trademarks. Uh, so clearly, the industry saying, we want this to be important. Absolutely, and I mean, my But role, is it important? Um, is anything important? Yeah. I mean, that might be a more philosophical question. Yeah. From a business perspective, my view is you want to protect your brand the moment you put your first dollar into marketing it. Because if you don't, somebody else could, could claim it's their brand, uh, sue you for infringement. Now, let's say you just have to change your brand, you don't have to pay damages. You lose all of that goodwill and reputation. All those customers that know you can no longer find you. So at that point, you might as well just be a low-cost, generic fly-by-night operator. Well, let me ask you, uh, we don't have a ton of time left, but granted you're a law firm, but you're, you're in some level just, you're another service in the, in the cannabis industry. How have you gone about growing your practice? How have you gone about, in other words, growing your business no different from anyone else? Uh, so, by the seat of my pants. Okay, <laughs> there it is, the I secret's mean, out. In the no, end. but you're, obviously you're being modest because you've been successful, so there must be some method behind the madness, and you're here now. So people are listening, they want to grow their business, Maybe you could give us a little of the secret sauce. I mean, Have you gone about it? There's two things. One is... Other than being on the business of cannabis, which is obviously <laughs> it's super nothing, important. Nothing has been right. <laughs> more important in my life. Foundational. Built up to At this, this moment. moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing is, um, before doing cannabis, I was doing dot-com events. And, you know, you go to them on a Monday and you couldn't wait till you could leave. Cannabis, our events are on weekends and we want to hang out with each other all night. It's just the greatest, most fun, most inspiring people, and that just works. But as far as growth of any business, it's always the same answer no matter what business you're in, sales. That's it. Once you start growing, then it's just about managing, making sure you, you sell a fine product and the best. So you want to have expertise, uh, but everything's sales. I mean, even if you're working in a cubicle in the back of a business, you're still selling. Mm. You're just selling your product to your boss. Right. You know, whether it's external or internal, everything in life is sales. You're selling your, your teacher on a good grade. You're selling your parents on why you shouldn't get grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're getting a little, someone's projecting, someone's projecting. But so it's, a, it's just the relentlessness of every day getting out there, trying to meet people in your target. And making friends. I mean, I'm a, okay. I'm a strong believer that networking is a dirty word, and we teach our college students to go network, and our young lawyers go network, and man, that's transactional. It's what can I get out of people? Right. I like making friends, making social connections, you know, people I want to spend time with, you know, and want to do good work with. Interesting. Not the tip, not, I, that's, that's a cool answer. Not what I expected from a lawyer growing a law firm which you tend to have more of a, a reputation. That would be the last thing. Do you find the reputa your, your reputation is a pro like the burden of being a lawyer hurts in this industry, particularly industry with maybe the cannabis history? or No, I don't think so. Early in the industry, um, especially, again, the old hippie guard, 
didn't like lawyers because they only called them when they got arrested. Right, yeah. It's never a good news story. Yeah. Our industry transformed. You know, it's an industry uh, less so than an underground culture. If I... In, 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 a, in, in, in one year, in a year from now, we're going to be sit back here, we're going to interview again. What would you like to be able to tell me has happened for Gleam Law? That we're still here, still having fun, and still doing good work. Is it more than you're like where you're at, and it's just more like, or, or is it, I'd like to have 20 lawyers, I'd like to have 30 lawyers, or is it more focus and attention it's not to about the work? Numbers. It's about numbers. Yeah. It's really important to me what the corporate culture is. I want a place, especially for law firms, so many lawyers dread going to work. Um, and I've had jobs like that where you stay up late because you do not want to wake up the next day and go to work. It's extremely important to me to create a culture where people want to come to work and enjoy it. And in that regard, it really is about making sure we do that properly and do not create a place that's uncomfortable for people. Otherwise, if I don't want to go to work, I'm spending right. so much time there, I'm yeah. just going to quit. Move to Fiji or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, maybe not the worst thing, but if you want a friend, not just a lawyer, look, call, reach out to Neil Juneja, Gleam Law. I encourage you to look up Gleam Law. That's G-L-E-A-M, gleamlaw.com. Um, because if you're in the business, you at least, you need a lawyer, from what I'm hearing. You need at least some advice. Um, and Neil, I really appreciate this. Thanks for the candor. Oh, this is um, fantastic. Yeah, Thank I you enjoyed for having me. And uh, we will be back uh, more from the trade show floor of MJ BizCon uh, 2022. The business of cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So Bespoke Financial has an interesting value prop, a cutting-edge technology and a data-driven application process. Provides cannabis companies with seamless access to financing on a daily basis. Hmm, too could be true, you say? Well, we'll see. Bespoke Financial on track to deploy a billion dollars by the end of the year via their revolving lines of credit. Recently announced an interesting partnership with a POS company, Blaze, where they'll be the first to market with a buy now, pay later option for cannabis businesses, shared on cash. Who's behind uh, Bespoke Financial? Uh, the man sitting across from me, George Mancharel, co-founder and CEO. Uh, now, before Bespoke, uh, he did uh, things most of us pretend to understand at places like Goldman Sachs and Guggenheim uh, Partners, uh, like underwriting, managing credit risk, and negotiating deal structures, and managing debt funds, and la, la, la. Lots of uh, fun, uh, interesting lunches, I'm sure. Uh, but it's, it's all about cannabis. Um, George, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, give us then an overview of, of Bespoke Financial and, and how you fit into the sort of the financial landscape sure. in the business. Yeah, Yeah. so Bespoke Financial was founded in June 2018, so we've been around for four and a half years now. Uh, we are a fintech platform that offers debt financing for cannabis companies across the supply chain. Uh, we work with everyone from cultivators, manufacturers, brands, distributors, and dispensaries. Um, you know, our focus is pretty broad. We have borrowers in 18 different states across the U.S. and really work with a variety of companies, both, you know, 
new companies that are still in their growth phase, um, more established companies that have been around in existence for quite some time. And our core offering is really meant to address working capital needs of these businesses. So if you are a manufacturer and you need to source biomass, you need to source distillate, you need to source packaging, uh, we provide offerings that allow these companies to draw down against their credit lines, pay their vendors whenever they need to, um, and really just help facilitate production and ramp up their growth in operations. So, you know, it's been definitely a challenging year, but I do think, you know, we are helping solve one of the major pain points for a lot of operators in the space right now. So challenging year, what, what was the challenge for you? Because it's been challenging year in cannabis for a lot of players, for a lot of different reasons. What was your perspective? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it depends on what market you're looking at when you look at in the U.S. So um, the more mature markets, you know, if you think of a Colorado, California, and Oregon, Washington, these are all states that have all hit this supply overload um, coming out of 2020 into 2021. Most of these states just saw a ton of overcapacity on the cultivation side and on the manufacturing side. And so this year, what we've seen, particularly in those mature markets, has been um, a real depression in prices. A lot of operators finding that they're not able to sell their product at a price point where their business is sustainable. Um, obviously, the macroeconomic volatility has hurt every industry, including cannabis in general. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of businesses have to change up and adopt to the new regime um, in a way that a newer market that hasn't hit that supply saturation point yet doesn't necessarily have the same pricing pressures that you're seeing in these more established spaces. Right. So uh, was a backtrack again. You, 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 you mentioned all those different markets, I guess, for you, whether mm -hmm. you're a grower or a dispensary. Where is your, is there a focus? Is it evenly spread? Across? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, the manufacturing level, the distribution level, and you know, especially this year, the dispensary level have been our key points of focus. Um, this is where the working capital needs, I think, are most pronounced. Because if you think about a dispensary, you know, next week is Thanksgiving. Um, it's the week of Thanksgiving tends to be a very high mm. volume, high transaction. So the dispensaries need to make sure they have enough inventory on the shelves in order to meet consumer demands. But depending on what state you're in whether it's paying the distributors, paying the manufacturers, paying your taxes that are associated with it. There's a lot of uh, cash needs that come up, even just trying to source inventory to be sold later. And so, um, you know, addressing that need, giving these dispensaries lines where they can make sure they have enough product, they take advantage of these holiday events and high consumer purchasing seasons, um, all of that are you know specific use cases where our money goes and really just help these operators just not miss an opportunity Get that gap that's Get right that gap that's right so is there um where do you see growth in the future do you also see it broadly yeah i it mean in the new markets versus these traditional markets how do you yeah i think there's still a, a vast amount of growth in any market whether it's mature or new because um the when you think about what the cannabis industry is going to look like in five years or 10 years, and people talk about 20% year over year growth or 15%, that growth doesn't come from the existing consumers. The growth comes from new consumers coming into the space, right? So someone right now who's not looking for that psychoactive experience, but 
is interested in improving their own quality of life. Maybe they're dealing with chronic pain management. Um, they're looking to get off of a prescription medication. Um, there are a vast number of societal needs that I think cannabis can address. And that's really where we see a lot of untapped opportunity going forward, as opposed to catering to the pre-existing cannabis consumer where you're competing against the illicit market and, you know, dealers that exist in every part of this country right now. I think that battle has, for the most part, been won in a lot of these mature markets, but the untapped opportunity is getting that incremental consumer to come into the space. And I think that still remains tremendously potential for the industry overall. Story. That's right. And and would you say in years now like we have years more for that to I, yeah i would say so. so i would say so i mean it, it also does so take be time in a transformative business for a while i would it, yeah, yeah. Th- we, we think so that's right that's right <laughs> okay so um well let me, i'm gonna ask the obvious question how come you can do this and traditional because you're not a traditional i mean your name bespoke mm-hmm. you're not a traditional financial institution how come you're able to do this and the traditional sources of cash or uh, don't. Yeah. So um, when you think about where capital can come from, you know, most people think of banks um, when they think of where to go for financing. Quite honestly, banks have been staying away from high risk industries for quite some time. That's been the case for at least 12, 13 years now since the financial crisis. But even before then, banks are rarely first movers when it comes into the space. Um, the next wave of capital would be institutional investors, right? So these are large asset management companies that find opportunities in the lending space. Um, both them and banks run up against the same hurdle, which is the federal illegality. Um, it basically ring fences cannabis from being able to be serviced. But there's also other reasons. You know, there are institutions out there that would like to deploy capital into the cannabis space, but then they have to get comfortable with the risk. And you're dealing with an industry that is, you know, 80%, 90% a cash-based industry, which that makes auditing very difficult. It makes verifying financials very difficult. So there's just a lot of unknowns coupled with the federal illegality that Mm. keeps most people on the sidelines. We're not a bank. Um, you know, we are a licensed commercial lender. Um, you know, we have been from day one. We've been very above board in terms of compliance. And it's been our responsibility and what we've been able to achieve is finding these disparate pools of capital, um, leveraging our expertise in terms of looking at these companies, running through the due diligence. Um, you know, we have a great loan track and performance that we can point to. And so we become the outlet in order for these pools of capital that do want exposure into the space, Mm. but are not in a position to actually affect that themselves. Um, So, you know, it really just leverages our expertise as a company. And I've always thought of Bespoke as the bridge between the traditional financial world with the capital and the cannabis industry in its own silo looking for capital. And we are a conduit for that to happen. Almost normalizing what should be normal, but isn't. To some degree. So I guess to some degree it, it, it... works risk aside and cost aside. Let's change tax a little bit. Tell me about this partnership with Blaze POS. Sure. Yeah. yeah that's a cool offering. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, you know, we announced the beta earlier in the year um, and the focus is very simple and it goes back to the example I spoke about before. When you're a dispensary, uh, let's say in California, ignoring all the other challenges that come with running a business, um, you know, sourcing inventory, dealing with various payment terms from each different brand or vendor, 
most of which doesn't get honored anyway. People pay whenever they want to pay. Right. Um, it creates a lot of friction and it creates a lot of stress further up the supply chain, right? Um, the brand needs to get paid by the dispensary before the brand can pay the cultivator that they bought the flower from um, and manage their own expenses and their own and taxes. On and on and on. Exactly. Right. So this partnership is really meant at, you know, one, empowering dispensaries so that they can go to the brands that they see products selling very well, increase and improve that relationship with the vendor, gives them financing so that they can pay COD, they can start purchasing more product, uh, source discounts, either for a COD payment or for a volume-based discount, provide that liquidity to the vendor, but not have to sacrifice that cash because there are tons of demands for cash on the dispensary level themselves. And so the partnership here is really meant to reduce, it's taking what we've done for four years, but making it much less, you know, removing the friction points, I should say, in terms of application. You don't need to pull together your financial statements. You don't need a head of finance and you don't need a finance team. You really just need to basically go online click a few buttons and right there in front of you is access to financing that you can then deploy to whichever vendor you choose fit. And so the so idea is bringing it into the actual op daily operation. That's right. Yeah. So if they're in there, an event, that's right. The POS is basically, you know, the hub where these dispensaries sure. manage their business. They see their inventory, sure. they see their sales. The so if they, yeah. they notice their edible inventory is getting low, they need to enter a repurchase order for their vendor Right at that point in time, they get the ability to use financing to pay that vendor, increase that purchase amount. The vendors love it because that means they're getting cash flow, they're locking in revenue, they're selling through their inventory, and now that cash can flow up to where they need to go, where it needs to go beyond that. Right. And for us, it takes a huge burden off of the, the dispensaries themselves. They don't need to track which vendors have they paid, which ones have they not. They just work directly with Blaze Capital, Bespoke Financial, the POS system itself. And so it's one centralized hub for them to manage their their open bills and, and right. payables. Right. That's, mate, that's neat. And and this is for dispensaries. For dispensaries. For we're launching in California before year end. So that oh, should be okay. very exciting. Yeah. Um, the next market before will- Before year end is basically soon. Now. That's right. It's, very, <laughs> like it's a very now. live- Launching now. It's a very live conversation. <laughs> Um, after California, we will be taking the same service to Massachusetts and then looking oh, okay. to expand into other states um, as the opportunity presents itself. Okay. Well, okay. So someone's going to be busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, well, on that note then, let's say uh, in a year, I hope to interview you at MJ, mm -hmm. BizCon. Um, what would you like to be able to tell me that Bespoke accomplished? Um, if you could sort of control the world. Yeah, I mean, Can't well... be everything, but what, what, what... Sure. I mean, there's there's a couple different wishes. For us, it would be, you know, from day one, educating the industry in terms of how to use financing responsibly has always been something that we've owned, um, both in terms of we need to do it in order to have a fruitful conversation, but also the industry should be more educated and aware of what options are available and how to use that financing appropriately. And so uh, my hope for next year is that, you know, we see good adoption from the market. I think the early, the early adopters in terms of lining up financing tools and just having more access to credit, they will be the clear winners. And I think time will prove that out, but you don't want people to learn lessons the hard way if they don't have to. Mm. So the expectation would be, 
one, the world is just in a more saner place. Uh, two, we are able to <laughs> well, achieve that. We can, we know won't be <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But you know, really just making sure that, you know, the market takes advantage of, of very useful tools and services like what we're offering and that we can actually demonstrate that the vitality of the cannabis industry justifies more and more capital providers to look at this space because ultimately it does right. go back and forth between, you know, adoption from the cannabis industry and then acceptance from the financial industry and back and forth and so. So really it would just be looking for, you know, increased traction and increased adoption and and hopefully a lot of companies that understand the benefits of working with us and and you know the use case speaking for itself at that point. So you're at an interesting point it sounds like and like the 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 pieces of the puzzle are in place. That's right. what I'm hearing. That's right. And now it's about execution. That's right. You're not looking for more pieces necessarily That's right. right now. That's right. That's cool. And the overall market condition is that every company right now is looking for additional financing and sources. So the timing is pretty optimal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like well, you said. when does that ever change? Exactly. When, when, when are people, yeah, I'm looking for money. Exactly. Even in the good times. Right. Let alone now. George, thanks for the candor. Thanks for the insight. I really appreciate it. It's, it's uh, George... Mancharel, uh, CEO of Bespoke Financial, um, here at uh, MJ BizCon 2022, and then we'll give you a year to accomplish that. Exactly. I'm going to hold you to it, yep. and then you can brag about it. Yep. We'll I will be back on. We'll hold ourselves to it, but thank you. <laughs> thank you again. It was great being here. And we'll be back with more of The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. And welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the uh, interviews from uh, Marcus Quinn, CEO of your CBD store, and Neil Janeja. Um, Managing partner of Gleam Law and George Mantrell, a CEO of Bespoke Financial. Interesting cross section of people and their presence here, and also presence of thousands of people at MJ BizCon suggests, you know, the cannabis industry is alive and well. Um, certainly going through an interesting phase. If I were to sit back and think of the vibe of the show compared to maybe last year, uh, maybe a little more sedate, a little more subdued. Uh, clearly, there's there's uh, new states opening up, so new opportunities, new growth. Uh, traditional players may be facing a tougher environment. Some of the structural impediments, the financial impediments, the regulatory impediments that uh, or burdens, maybe is a better word, uh, are 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 providing are, are are becoming problematic, even more problematic now, uh, but not destructive. Um, get the feeling we're we're waiting for another phase of the cannabis industry. That would be my impression. Uh, the infrastructure is. Is, has grown remarkably fast, and it's 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 not there like 100 percent in all areas. Certainly on the grow side and the equipment side, uh, maybe even on the retail, you know, feet on the street kind of side, it's 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 more robust. But other areas still still developing. But 
in every year, it seems like it's 10 years uh, compared to other industries. So, so with that in place, that's what I'm, that's what I got from that show. Uh, it's still, but it, you know, it's, there's still opportunity. And so it, there's still opportunity to get involved in cannabis. Um, it's not as if that, that there's no dominant players. In other words, from, you know, there are, there are powerful players, but that huge dominance hasn't happened. It's still an entrepreneurial story. Um, and hopefully it'll stay that way. Uh, worth going to most definitely just for the the fact that it's where everyone in cannabis goes at least once not that the smaller shows aren't very useful but uh my experience i don't know going to six or seven shows this year is uh these smaller shows you, you need a purpose uh don't go uh just to a a, a show just to go uh go because it speaks to a specific need. Uh, if you're a financial industry, you know, financial player, that that's your focus, then make sure you go to show with those kind of people. If you're looking to raise capital, you know, there's other shows for that. If you're looking to express, uh, to, to sort of launch a brand, there's shows for that as well, um, whether it's a regional thing or, or not. That's uh, unfortunately all the time we have. Um, as always, I'd like to, to thank our sponsors, uh, Chima, uh, makers of uh, the leading cash management equipment in North America. Chima, wherever there's cash, there's Chima. And also uh, Cash Tech, currency products. Cash Tech is uh, the leading um, firm in cash management, uh, uh, in providing all the cash management services you'll need to handle all that wonderful money that you're making. Uh, I'm Dave Skye. I'll be back next week uh, with more stories from the Cannabis Front Lines. Until then, be well. And this is The Business of Cannabis. The use of cannabis.